You're listening to Keystone Cold Cases, a podcast where we reignite cold cases across Pennsylvania. Hey, it's Grace. Hey, it's Shannon. Hey, it's Chelsea. And today we are going to do a case about someone we actually already covered. We did a case, I believe it was our ninth episode on Robert Barron. And unlike most episodes, this one is, it's a solved one. Well, it did get solved from the time that we posted about it. And it was actually, I think, the second one that I've ever done. So just like a huge heads up, the case is kind of rough. It was before we had our wonderful Darren with us, but it's a good case. It has a lot of information. It goes over a lot of the theories and we're not going to like redo it today. We're, we'll just like brush across the basics, basically. And it's kind of actually amazing. I think this is our first one, right, Grace? That's been like 100% solved. I believe so. We did have, um, I believe her name's Evan Cologne. And her baby, remember oh. the suitcase, okay, but that was actually mostly solved before we even released the episode. So we kind of released it all together. This is okay. our first case that really we like released an episode and then some time later it was solved. So still kind of a first. <laughs> yeah, super exciting. I think a lot of people messaged us and we were messaging each other like, oh my gosh, did you see that they found bones or did you see this? And it was just kind of exciting and nice to know that the family's going to have some type of closure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Very excited. Okay. So let's get into this one. And I'm only going to say the pizza name shop once, because if you do go back and listen to the original episode, I butcher it. I'm going to try. Uh, but he was the owner of Gigarelli's in Old Forge, PA. And Old Forge is located in Lackawanna County, about 15 minutes from Scranton. And this little city is considered the pizza capital of the world. On oh. When I tell people that, they're like, no way. And when I first heard that, I was like, okay, that's just like a small town claim or whatever. But when you Google what is the pizza capital of the world, it comes up as Old Forge, PA. Oh, yeah. Yep. It's legit. <laughs> I... Uh, I don't know if you remember, but the reason why I found the case is I, one of my friends and coworkers, her husband lived in that area and, mm -hmm. um, he's Italian and he, they had mentioned the pizza. It's like completely different than the type of pizza we get around here. Um, I'm not sure if I went over it in, uh, episode nine. I did not listen to that episode before doing this one. Um, but it's more of like a square and it's kind of like, um, more of like a, I guess a deep dish kind of but definitely like grandma style pizza is that what you yeah, mean I think yeah so. mm, I think that started to become a little bit more popular around here but it's very old school and very good <laughs> yeah yeah I was actually kind of surprised when I was doing it too because like you said it does pop up and all the places that you think of it would not be PA I don't know right <laughs> you th you'd think Italy or so I know their pizzas aren't the same but whatever. It it was weird. <laughs> yeah. So on January 25th, 2017, Robert Barron went missing and the case was puzzling from the start. Bobby, which was Robert's son, was half business partner with Robert. He texted his father that morning and never got a response. 
Robert was supposed to pick Bobby up and get to the pizza shop in time for the 7 a.m. dough delivery. Bobby then called his mother, Maria, asking where his father was, and she told him that he slept at the shop the night of the 24th. The shop had an apartment above it, and Robert would occasionally sleep there the nights before deliveries. Bobby ended up walking to the pizzeria and was shocked to see the dough delivery was delivered, but uh, was outside unattended, obviously, because I don't know if you guys know a lot about dough, but like if it's too hot or too cold. Like it messes like with the yeast and stuff in it. And obviously I'm assuming it's probably pretty expensive. So kind of seeing that was alarming. He claimed that his father never missed a delivery in the past. Bobby ended up rushing into the apartment, which was empty. And when he entered the pizza shop, it was clear there was a that he was walking into a crime scene. He immediately called the police. And when they arrived, they found a significant amount of blood. They didn't specify how much, but for them to say significant, I would assume it's a lot. They found a tooth in a utility sink, which turned out to be his. They found a ton of household cleaners, Robert's phone, broken glass, a bloody afghan, and Maria had noted that a comforter was missing. On the 29th, Robert's 2006 silver Elantra, it was found only like a mile away from the pizza shop. They, uh, the police noted that the undercarriage of the car had an excessive amount of mud, and there were blood stains not only on the outside, but also on the inside of the car and overall it was stated that, that there are four locations with blood from robert which wow is a lot yeah yeah clearly there was a boatload of evidence but sometimes that doesn't necessarily help a case one of the cases that i love um it was those two girls on the bridge they had a video and they had a they had his voice and they still couldn't it took forever to figure out who it was so like sometimes it doesn't matter really how much evidence you have. Oh, are you really? talking about the Delphi? Yes. Murders. Oh, that's my case, man. Yeah. And it just it like you would think that they would have enough to get like these types of cases with all these types of evidence. And it's just as baffling that it can take right. so long. So at the time of the disappearance, there were a ton of theories floating around. I'm not going to go in them completely, uh, but definitely I feel like half of our case on episode nine was going over the theories there were a lot some of them were people thinking that it had to do with the son bobby because he had previously had issues with drugs the family thought that it was a botched robbery and they thought that from day one and kind of never let that go others blamed it on the organized crime in the area and then some believed that he kind of like set this scene up to like leave if that makes sense which the family and like everyone who knew him said that there was no way that was the case. So so at the time, we didn't know a lot of details. Obviously, please keep them close to the pocket. And we are going to start from the beginning based on the affidavit. The day that Robert went missing, the police interviewed Bobby and they brought him down. During the interview, Bobby named Justin Schubach as someone who wanted to hurt Robert. He admitted that he had previously bought drugs off Justin and as mentioned, Bobby had been struggling with drugs and Robert was not really happy about this like friendship, wasn't really a fan of Justin at all. So after the interview with Bobby, they moved to interview Justin and he did confirm that he had a problem with Robert. And so kind of, I guess he was one of their number. He was the police's number one suspect from the beginning. But I guess as everything, they want to make sure they have like all the evidence before making that arrest to make sure, I guess, like once you try someone, you can't try them again for the same crime. So they really wanted to have everything. When 
Robert's car was found on the 29th. They pulled DNA and they found two people's DNA. One was Robert and another one was unknown, but they did know that it was a male. A couple days after discovering the car, they reached out to talk to Justin's girlfriend. She said he went out the night of January 25th and was gone for several hours overnight. Investigators then conducted a search of Justin's home and they took his DNA, and I'm sure that was with a warrant. Over the next couple of months, they interviewed his acquaintances. All of them told investigators that Justin had suddenly come into a large amount of money, which, Hmm. yeah, that's interesting. I think that's highly interesting. If you did end up jumping back and listening to another case, you'll know that it's weird because the night that this incident took place was a Wednesday and it was a pizza shop, probably not having the highest traffic on a Wednesday. And how much cash are you getting out of that cash drawer, really? I know we had that conversation in that episode, but to get money months later, where's it coming from? And to me, why would they mention it in the affidavit if it wasn't relevant? Or didn't right isn't connected to this case. So like I really hope like down the road they kind of explain that more or maybe it'll come out in trial like where that money was coming from. To me, it makes me think of like a hit. That's what I was thinking too. Right. Yeah, I wasn't really thinking that, but I see what you're saying. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of weird. In September 2018. Investigators obtained Justin's cell phone records to track his movements the night of the disappearance. And I'm going to like, this has nothing to do with this case, but I have to tell you because I know you guys will appreciate it more than anyone else I know. But I was listening to another case and you, I can't remember what the case exactly, like the name of it, but basically um, this woman was murdered and they went to Google and got a warrant and they were able to place, it was like a geolocation for a very specific area and you can, it will list the cell phones that pinged in that direct location, which I didn't know was a thing. I thought they had to like geolocate, but they've been able to solve a couple cases like that. And apparently it's like really touch and go, like if they can use it in court and stuff like that. But I never yeah, heard of it's before. called like a cell dump or something like that. I've heard it very like rarely. Geofencing. Is that what it's called? But I know you said you can look up all the phones that were in that area at that time, right? Or at that location. Yeah, so I, yeah. I'm i looking up geofencing. I can't remember if that's 100%, but it says create a virtual geographic boundary, means of GPS or RFI technology. And apparently, like, it's kind of a newer thing. But yeah. um, they were giving statistics. And apparently, Google, the first year, started, like, maybe a couple hundred. Then it doubled and, and it, like, quadrupled. Like, so many police are trying to use it. But then it, it kind of infringes on people's, like, privacy, right? So it's, like, right. a huge, like... Yeah, so it blows my mind. But anyway, I know I had to yep. share it with somebody. Can you appreciate it? Yes, absolutely. For sure. Uh, we haven't had any cases like that. From what I heard, it's like they use it a lot over on the West Coast. But they did end up pulling Justin's um, cell records. And it's sad that it takes so long to get all that stuff. It really does. Yeah. yeah. Just blows my mind. Because if you... I guess that's why... I mean, I'm not a um, crime junkie and... But they always say, like, list your information, especially your cell information, so your family members can go and look up your uh, records, because it's so easy if you want to pull them. I legit Um, have an if I go missing folder that I downloaded from them with my information. I mean, I'm married, but I still don't think he knows how to get into our stuff. So just in case. (laughs) 
But yeah. It, yeah, if you don't know that information, it can take a very long time to pull any sort of records. Yes. And that's and they say not only phone records, but like your credit card statements, your cards, um, your bank statements, anything like that, because if they don't have it, they're going to have to obtain a warrant, send it to these companies and pull it. And it can take forever. Uh, one of the cases that I've been obsessed with for years was two boys went missing in Florida. Uh, they were like 14 years old. And I guess the police were going back and forth, I think, with like a company like Snapchat. Can't remember the exact company. And they were just fighting tooth and nail to get this information, which it shouldn't be like that, I don't think. But I guess the companies are worried about um, privacy issues. But I mean, if there's police and they have a missing person or a homicide investigation, I just there just has to be something that I'm not grasping that it like, how does it take that long? DNA, I've come to understand about backlogs and stuff, and it takes a long time to test things. But to get records, I guess I just don't understand the process. Neither it doesn't do make sense to me. Neither do I. And I've I've watched shows and have heard, like, investigators, police, like, anyone, like, working in that kind of background, like, highly suggesting your kids not use Snapchat. Because it is such a bear to get any information from if they actually do need it. And it's for, I guess it's like a huge site for like pedos and things like that. But it just oh, be 100%. like that. Yeah, yeah. And there was um, an app that was called Kick that you oh, were like, you could be completely anonymous. I don't know if it exists anymore. I don't really hear about it being a problem. But it was in some cases like this because you really could be anonymous on that app so that's it was kind of like snapchat but anonymous like very oh. scary yeah it's amazing how some things like that will they'll be like you know they'll dig in to protect people's identities but like anybody can go pick up my credit card and go swipe it and use it because nobody verifies identity that way right. either so it's kind of like where's the line yeah yes yeah agree 100 percent. and honestly some of these I, I'm not a huge Snapchat person, but like I have a niece and nephew and that's how they meet people. Like it could, they could have friends that have friends with someone else. So they friend them or they're, I don't know, the crazy stuff. And I was listening to my niece the other day and she was talking about talking to someone. My sister's like, how do you know her? And she was like, I don't. And I'm like, oh, it's so weird because they like send oh. pictures of doing random stuff. And oh, Yeah. I'm just like, please don't do that. Why? Yeah. When I so. was in retail management, I had two kids that were 18 that were um, employees there and they were friends. And the one day the kid, the one kid didn't show up. So I asked the other kid, I was like, can you text him? He's like, well, I don't have his number. I could snap him though. And they were, they were close. They were like best friends, did not have each other's phone numbers. He's like, I could snap him. I'm like, what am I ancient? What is going yeah. on? Oh yeah. I hate Snapchat. Oh, I yeah. use it like a handful of times. I'm like, it's stupid. I'm just out here. I Man, use too, it, but I send, I send them to like three people. So Honestly, yeah. my best friend is older. She's in her mid-60s and she uses Snapchat and it's more of a family thing. She has like seven brothers and sisters and they have huge families and they just use it amongst themselves. But she uses it like a pro and I'm like, damn, 
Yeah. No <laughs> Good idea. on you. Yeah. yeah. It's not and me. And it's like, they literally just send pictures of the most random stuff. I know I've told Grace, but we, I took my nephew and my son to the movies and he almost got a k- kicked out from taking pictures in the movies of nothing. It's not sure, Pete. Oh, oh so, my God. Yeah. Damn Snapchat. Anyway, back to the case. Sorry for the tangent. So they ended up getting Justin's cell phone records and they did this to track his movements and I know the disappearance. They discovered his location, which put him at Gigarelli's overnight of January the 24th. Then it showed him, I guess, meeting a friend to buy drugs. And it the cell phone data really showed that he never left Old Forge from the night of the 24th to the 25th. From October 2019 to November 2020, genetic experts were able to match the blood from Robert's car to Justin's DNA. And I, for me, I know you mentioned like with the backlogs and stuff, Grace, but I guess I just never realized how long it could take to like test two to match them. I mean, because one was already matched, like not matched, but one was already identified off the car. They just didn't know who it belonged to. So when they got the DNA with the warrant, I thought it would be like a fast way to like match it to the unknown. I don't know. Maybe to match it, but to actually collect it, apparently like collect it and test it takes a very long time. And I think even entering it into the database, since it's such a complicated thing, can take quite a while. So yeah, it just... Everything there, I understand, takes a very long time. It's very tedious. It just blows my mind. So as recently as the last week in March, investigators provided detectives with a detailed map of Justin's cell movement the night of the 24th. And like I said, it showed him at the shop. It showed him in a wooded area of Connell Street and Howard Street where Robert's car was found. So with this information... They interviewed Justin. He denied being at Ro- um, being in Robert's car or at his restaurant. Several agencies ended up going to search the two areas of Old Forge on March 28th, 2023. And it just kind of blows my mind um, that maybe a more intensive search didn't happen around his car. Um, just because as we talk, you'll see. But his body was found right around where his car was found. So to me, I'm just like... Really? I don't know. I was surprised, but yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. Ah, mixed feelings. Maybe um, it's maybe it's a small town and they didn't have resources to conduct a big search. But like, how far from the car was it? Like, well, within a hundred yards? Uh, like, did did it say? I think it was like a mile. Not even. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So miles, you would think, is doable. Yeah. I did mention in the other episode that the family was kind of, like, really upset with, like, they feel like the police did drop a lot of balls with it, so. Yeah. Um, During a news conference on the 31st, Lackawanna County DA Mark Powell said that cadaver dogs and multiple forensic investigators were provided by the New York State Police, which kind of surprised me, but I guess they're kind of near the border-ish of New York. And then, you know, human remains were found and they sent it for testing and they came back really, really fast. And it did confirm that it was Robert Barron. And at that point, they were able to arrest Justin. He was taken into custody on the 31st of March. He was supposed to have a court here on April 10th, but it ended up getting rescheduled to give the defense attorney more time to prepare. The preliminary hearing is now scheduled for May 19th in the Lackawanna County Courthouse and the magistral district judge Terrence B. Gallagher is set to hear the case. 
Bernard Brown and Jordan uh, Leonard will be representing Justin. Bernard has previously represented Justin on, you know, the drug charges. You know, he is a drug dealer, so it's kind of not surprising. Uh, This time around, Justin is charged with criminal homicide, robbery, burglary, theft, and abuse of a corpse. And as this unravels, we will really kind of keep you updated. I think we'd probably only do one more episode kind of after everything settles and, you know, uh, I guess after sentencing. But that's probably going to take a while. Yeah, I mean, the courts take forever. Um, Maybe you'll get into this. And I listened to some of the press conference, but I don't remember. Did they talk about... um like how Robert's remains were found? Like were they uh, just kind of like bones scattered? I mean, I'm sure it would just be bones by now, but were they like scattered or in a certain They were in a place? certain area. They weren't scattered from what I could gather, but they didn't go into okay. too much detail. Okay. Um unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and honestly, uh, I'll I'll tell more later when we get to it. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. I you know, this case was like hugely talked about because the Gigarellis was like kind of well known up there, at least. And a lot of people knew the family. And in the episode I talked about it, they were just a wonderful family. They gave back to their community a lot. Even after this horrible thing happened, they were still, you know, giving back to the community. And I didn't really find a lot of bad things about them, like anyone said, for being like a a business and stuff all all glowing reviews if you will mm-hmm. that's what i've uh, heard as well yeah so i was really interested to see what like the local sites were kind of like saying you know mm-hmm. there is there's a huge hold up on episode nine i talked about it but the family ended up securing video surveillance on main street which was only two blocks from the pizza shop it showed a man hauling a suitcase and everyone's like do you think it's justin can you tell if it's justin Like the back and forth, which I mean, it doesn't really matter because like they figured out it was him and who knows, maybe someone could just have like, I don't know, a suitcase of kittens or papers. Who knows what's in that suitcase? Don't put your kittens in a suitcase unless, you know, it's unzipped and it's a mesh suitcase. I don't know. That sounds bad. (laughs) Kittens in a suitcase. (laughs) Anything, I guess, in a suitcase that's so big. But um, honestly, you know, the video is still up. You can see it on YouTube and it's like... Not the best surveillance is from 2017. It's at night. It's blurry. It's dark. Have at it if you will. But while scrolling, I did come across an article from April 19th, 2023, written in the Times Tribune, that additional skeletal remains were found and they were not Roberts. And it just kind of blows my mind, like, because I'm just wondering, could this be like another cold case? I feel like this year in PA alone, a lot of like cold cases have been getting solved or more recognition you know yeah Um, it's a really exciting time all of this these new technologies and it's awesome yeah i don't think this has anything to do with technology and there's another case i'm going to talk about as well it's just people working in the area uh they there was people working in taylor pa and they found remains on the 19th under the interstate of 476 And Robert's remains were found only two miles away, and that was two weeks prior. And it makes me feel like he was a full, like, set. I know that sounds terrible, but they weren't weren't looking anywhere else for his skeletal remains, and they knew for sure they confirmed it um, in this um, article. Like, it definitely wasn't anything part of his. Okay, gotcha. And there really hasn't been a lot of information released since that first article. I'm, you know assuming that they're trying to figure out who the person is yeah 
So there was that. And I'm just hoping another family will get closure. And really, it's been a short period of triumph for this general area because remains had been found in Taylor, PA in the weeks of February and March. So kind of like running along Robert's uh, discovery. Mm-hmm. And these also weren't Robert's remains. Uh, this case is regarding Christopher Story, who went missing on August 11th, 2013. And, you know, obviously, now that they know that he's not missing, they are pivoting to find out the manner of death. I did hear about him. He might have been covered on a different podcast, actually. Really? But yeah, I remember hearing about him. But they just found the remains. Yeah, like, they just re- found okay, the remains. Okay. In, um, gotcha. Uh, apparently, so it makes me feel like you had asked about Robert's remains. It said that it took a couple weeks to recover him. So I want to say that his remains probably weren't all together and like quote-unquote intact um Mm -hmm. because it did say it took them a couple weeks to gather him Um, this was christopher christopher story yeah okay i see okay and i'm thinking that yes i know that like his body was found but i'm thinking maybe we should do an episode obviously it's gonna take some time i guess to figure out you know maybe what happened and look into it because i don't think they were fully i don't think they spent all their time thinking that maybe it was like something wrong that maybe he walked away we hear those stories everyone's like oh they walked away um so maybe we can do a case maybe this could be the next one i do what do you think yeah or a special episode i'd definitely love to hear about it yeah me too sounds good definitely don't have a lot of articles regarding like finding him it was just kind Mm -hmm. of mentioned and it was mentioned tagged and i only found it because i was searching for robert stuff i don't know why it was tagged along with him both those stories but it really looks like 2023 is going to be like the season for cold cases in PA. Yeah. Let's go. I love that. Love that for us. And what's up with Taylor? Yeah. What's up with Taylor, PA, and all these bodies becoming yeah. suspicious? Crazy. And yeah. in like a very, very small like area of each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess you don't ever really think about like how close the bo- people's bodies are. I don't know. I don't know. It blows my mind. I also looked at, we had talked about it in episode nine. The family runs a Facebook page called Finding Robert Barron, and I decided to take a peek at it. And they had updated their cover photo on February 28th, 2023, that there was still a reward and that they were offering 30000 for information. And the family, I think the entire time, had been offering a high amount of money just because they really wanted to know the whereabouts of Robert. The day the arrest was made, a post was made that simply said, finally, like I said, Uh uh, the family really thought that the police did not do enough for the case. And like, sometimes I think police don't. And other times it's hard. Family just wants resolution pretty immediately. And it's just like, you know, going over these cases, so much goes into it. And I'm going to be honest. I mean, we've, I've been following true crime for a while, but there was a case local to me and Grace, and I feel like watching that happen and knowing the players between the person who possibly committed the crime to the person that ended up dead, people in the local community, it really kind of was like eye-opening, I think, for how much they do behind the scenes without us seeing and what they cannot tell us and how much crap they get. And I can't say anything about this because obviously we're not part of that community. We're not part of that family and we don't know 
um, the players in this story. But I know for the person local to us, it was hard watching. It like really ripped apart our, our community. I totally agree. And it seemed like people were getting antsy, even though the police had someone in custody. What was it? Six weeks after she went missing? It was very yes. quick. Like looking back <laughs> on it at the time, we were all on the edge of our seats and we're like, what is happening? It feels like this is taking forever. But looking back on it, it was pretty quick. And, yeah. you know, people <laughs> had no idea what the police were doing. And then they came up with this like 40 page affidavit. And you could clearly see how much work they had been doing and how much information they had been collecting. So it can be really hard. And we're just not, as the public, not necessarily entitled to that information. So I agree. Yeah. And obviously, as I just said, there's a couple other people missing, dead, mm -hmm. X, Y, and Z from this area. And to think how much they have. And I feel like if maybe our local case hadn't gotten solved in like a timely, not that if the body wasn't found, I feel like this really could have gone on and it could have ended up like this. And it's something that I've talked about with grace. And if you're on our socials, please let us know. But me and her were thinking about talking about the case, um, the case of someone local to us, not so much, obviously it's solved. Well, not solved, but going to trial. Going to trial, um, sure. Yeah. Pretty strong but, case. But linking that to another case, semi-local to us, which has some parallels to it, but didn't get solved for reasons that we think. And we're thinking about doing a case and just kind of going over what we saw from the perspective of going over these cases and stuff like that. So if it's something that you're interested in, let us know. Um, because we've been toying with it back and forth and it'd definitely be something different than what we've ever really done before. And it kind of be a little bit, I think, personal. I mean, it definitely affected us in different ways because we knew these people. So let us know what you think. Yeah. So the solved cases regarding Jennifer Brown. Let me look up fast the other case. I don't remember her name off the top of my head. Who was it? When was this? This was the same time that Jennifer Brown went missing. Oh, and it's in Wilkes-Barre. I think it's right around this area, too, where Robert was. Uh, this area is yeah. not having a good time. <laughs> oh, Lord almighty. Um, so Amy Gregory, I couldn't remember her last name. Oh, yes. OK. Yeah. Um, and we'd kind of just parallel the cases and how, you know, we think Jennifer's got more coverage and why versus another woman around the same age soon to be mom um so let us know what you think you can message us email us put it on our socials what have you if you talk to us if you're one of our friends let us know because we're thinking about doing that now back to robert um and like i was saying we we have no idea i think i think this case always kind of stayed with the police obviously you know once they got the information they needed it seemed like they act like fairly quickly but I guess we're not the ones to really judge because, like I said, we don't have the stake in the case like family and the community there does. But they were very, very happy, um, especially because the family said that it was a botch robbery from the beginning and they gave the name of the person who did it. So I'm sure it's hard living in a community having to see this person who you think took a loved one from you. Yeah, that's got to be really difficult. Yeah. So also on the... Uh, 
Facebook page for Robert. There was tons of comments asking like, hey, how could the how could this take the police so long? You know, kind of what we just talked about. The family put another post out on April 1st, 2023, saying we would like to sincerely thank everyone for their continued support throughout the last six years. It means more to us than you can ever imagine. We will be holding a vigil tomorrow night. So they had it on the 2nd at Pagnati Park at 7.30 p.m. We hope to see you all there. And I'm I'm sure just seeing the there were so many comments on all the posts like and people were sharing stuff on the page. Um, so I'm sure that tons of people went. I couldn't find an article specifically on it, but it seems like everyone in the local community is now like asking, like, what's happening to Gigarelli's? Like, is it going to open because they still own it? And they're still I mean, I'm, I don't know if it's on it now, but the past six years they had a banner on it. Like, have you seen Robert Barron? Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess time will tell, like, if they're going to open it. And on in episode nine, I did talk about it. Like, sometimes if the family had like if a family was struggling or if someone needed something they would open the shop and make pizza for people for free like bobby would do that so i love that yeah so i'm interested to see if they will open it and it seems like their community will support them if they do that's great yeah and that's the end and we will obviously keep everyone updated um i think it's gonna take longer than it should to get um you know, sentencing and stuff. And I think that will be like the true justice the family will finally get. That's all we have for this episode of Keystone Cold Cases podcast. Please remember never to reach out to family or friends of the victims, only to law enforcement if you have any tips. This episode was researched and hosted by Chelsea Brown. Find all of our sources, social media connections, and contact information at kccpod.com. See music and production assistance from Darren Makins. Join us again next week for another case to sleuth out.